if the trumpeter plays the wrong tune, the people will not know what to do. The soldiers won't know. Does he want us to retreat? Should we go forward? What's, what's he trying to get across? I, I don't know. It seems like he's playing Yankee Doodle Dandy. I'm not quite sure. The trumpeter has to play a distinct sound in order that the soldiers will know whether to advance or to retreat in battle. The same is true with our spoken words. Unless we speak and agreed upon language, there can be no edification, no exhortation, no comfort given to the body of Christ. And it is through an agreed upon language that we learn how we ought to walk and to please God. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. You're on a big merry-go-round and it's taking you for a ride. You've got to let go and let go. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Today we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 through 19. And I want to tell you up front, I wrote this to Kevin and my son because I send them my message Kevin because he's working, and uh, my son because I want him to have it. So I script out the message, and uh, I send it to him. And I wrote a note saying that the whole time I've been in this chapter, I've been thinking of my dad, because he used to use verse 19 as a proof point as to why he did not, as a Baptist, speak in tongues. But I also know that my dad misrepresented the verse when he did that, and uh, pulled it out of context, totally out of context, to use that force of support. But I remember my dad often saying it from the pulpit. I guess he needed to reinforce why the Baptist didn't speak in tongues. And that is not what Paul is dealing with here. What he is dealing with is the worship service in general. They had gotten a number of things out of sync in the worship service. And it was troubling to Paul. He had received a letter and he's actually answering questions in regards to some of the things that have been going on at the church and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He's dealt with them. Now we have entered the third chapter, chapters 12 through 14. He deals with the function of the gifts of the Holy Spirit within the body of Christ. And so it was an issue there in Corinth. And apparently there was an issue with the gifts of tongues and it had brought to a place of confusion and he wanted to kind of set things straight. So I titled today's message, Edification, Exhortation, and Comfort. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 through 19. And as Paul had concluded his great classic discourse 
about agape, about love, there in 1 Corinthians 13, he continues his instructions here in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, their function within the church of Jesus Christ. And today we'll discover that all spiritual gifts are useful when they are used in their proper setting. And our spiritual gifts should not bring confusion, but they should bring edification, exhortation, and comfort. And so we're going to see that today. We have three points in our message. First, we're going to look at verses 1 through 5, desire spiritual gifts. Verses 6 through 12, speak distinctly. I need to hear that one just to speak better myself. And then uh, the final verses 13 through 19, praying with the Spirit and with understanding. And so, Father, we do pray that you would bless the teaching of your word. And we thank you, Lord, for this day that we've been able to gather together as the body of Christ here in the sanctuary of our church. Lord, it's been a while. I pray that your spirit would be among us, that you would just breathe peace upon our hearts. Help us to hear from you that which is spirit is speaking to the church, this church, this day we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. But also, he said, as I said, I need to learn to speak distinctly. That's what Paul says here in verses 6 through 12. I'm going to read for the context. It says, But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophecy, or by teaching. Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sound, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare himself for battle? So likewise, you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, but to him who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for edification of the church that you may seek to excel. Speak distinctly, Paul, desiring to bring edification, exhortation, and comfort to the Lord's church. He knew that if he spoke in tongues, if he spoke in an unknown language without an interpreter, the church could not be profited. When I was in South Sudan and spoke at the church there in Nimli, they had an interpreter for me. It's rather interesting to speak through an interpreter because it gives you time to think in between your phrases. I assume that I spoke a lot less words because someone was interpreting for me. I had to wait on him and he had to wait on me and we went back and forth. And though the sermon may have been around the same length, there were half as many words because they were spoken in two different languages uh, while they were running side by side. Without the interpreter, only half the congregation would have understood what was being spoken to them that day. 
So Paul desired for the church to be edified, to be uh, exhorted, to be comforted by known words rather than words that were unknown in the gift of tongues without an interpreter. Paul spoke to them, he said, either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophecy, or by teaching. He said it would be no profit, there'd be no advantage unless the words were known or understood. By revelation, it speaks about this unveiling. Uh, the book of Revelation has the same word in its title itself, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, unveiling uh, the mysteries of the word of God to people and helping them understand the very word of God. To prophesy, it speaks about either foretelling of event that has not yet happened or the foretelling of the word of God. Teaching is simply to pass on knowledge through instruction. And we find Paul saying in Romans 16, 25 through 27, now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, kept secret since the world began, but now has made manifest by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, for the obedience of the faith to God alone be wise, to be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Do you get that? Through the mystery, that which God has made known to us through his word, the revelation of his word. So instruction by the scriptures, whether by revelation, by knowledge, by prophecy, by teaching, it instructs us how we ought to walk and to please God. But if we have uncertain sounds, as he spoke about the flute or the harp and the trumpet, like Jesus, Paul gives a life example to help his support his teaching here. And he, he spoke about the flute, the harp, the trumpet. We could add the guitar or the piano. If the instrument does not make its intended sound, no one will be able to understand its purpose. Paul singles out the trumpet because they would use it for the call of battle, to call the men either to go out to battle or to come back in to battle. If the trumpeter plays the wrong tune, the people will not know what to do. The soldiers won't know. Does he want us to retreat? Should we go forward? What's, what's he trying to get across? I, I don't know. It seems like he's playing Yankee Doodle Dandy. I'm not quite sure. The trumpeter has to play a distinct sound in order that the soldiers will know whether to advance or to retreat in battle. The same is true with our spoken words. Unless we speak and agreed upon language, there can be no edification, no exhortation, no comfort given to the body of Christ. And it is through an agreed upon language that we learn how we ought to walk and to please God. First Thessalonians 4.1. But he sought that we should excel. We should excel. He said that there's many kinds of languages in the world. And he said none of them were without significance. Every language has its purpose. In fact, in our world today, there are 7,117 languages spoken today. And these languages are constantly in flux because language itself is, is growing. Our language change, it moves, it ebbs and flows a bit because they're living and they're dynamic. Now, I looked this up. 
And they said, although there's 7,117 languages, you think, well, how in the world could we ever minister to all the different languages in the world? This article went on to say that there's half the world's population speaks 23 different languages. So if you want, my wife knows two languages. So she's ahead of me in that ballpark. She could minister to two different people groups of half the world's population, 23 languages. That makes it kind of small. If you want to learn a new language, there's only 23, and you could speak to half the world today. Is that too much? Getting one language down, maybe two? Paul's not saying that speaking in an unknown tongue is wrong. He's simply saying that we should be zealous towards spiritual gifts. We should strive to edify one another in order that everyone can excel in their faith. To excel means to abound, to overflow, to be abundantly furnished with or to have abundance, that we should excel in our faith. Therefore, he says that we are to pursue in Romans 14, 19, pursue the things that make for peace and the things that may edify one another. So whether we're speaking by tongue, by revelation, by knowledge, by prophecy, by teaching, we are to help the body of Christ to excel. That's the purpose that Paul is trying to get across. It's to be for the benefit of the body as a whole when we come together, when we worship together in this way. And we close out in verses 13 through 19. 13 through 19, he says, Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my knowledge is unfruitful. What is the result then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the spirit. And I will also sing with understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say? For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than all of you. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. So tongues and interpretation. Here he's speaking of himself. If I speak with a tongue, if I pray, but he does not interpret. It's speaking about the individual actually here. If someone has the gift of tongues, but does not receive the gift of interpretation, though he speaks with tongues, his spirit is not edified. He doesn't have understanding in his mind, though his spirit may be edified. His mind is not edified. That's why Paul said, I will pray in the spirit. I will pray in a known language that both will be going on. Remember that when tongues, gifts are used, according to uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 27 and 29, we'll look at this next week more thoroughly. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. So tongues, speaking in tongues, speaking to God. Uh, 
a ministry between the individual and to God. If there's no interpreter in the body of Christ, then there is not to be the use of the gift of tongues. But whether praying, singing, blessing, or giving thanks, in verses 15 through 17, he says, I will pray in the spirit. I will also pray with understanding. I will sing in the spirit. I will also sing with understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed, the hearer, if he doesn't know the language, how can he say amen? And so Paul here reveals two distinct methods of worship. When worshiping as an individual, Paul would pray and sing in the spirit in order that he might personally receive edification, exhortation, and comfort, his spirit uh, being exhorted in that sense. But he also said that when worshiping with the body, and I think even as an individual, he might pray in the spirit and then pray in, in a known tongue, that with the body especially, that in order that the church itself could be edified, bring exhortation and bring comfort. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, it says in 1 Corinthians 4.14, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Although the brothers and sisters might speak God's truth in an unknown language, when the body gathers together, there can be no agreement or no edification. If we would all go to Sudan, as I mentioned earlier, and would sit into one of their tribal church worship service where it was only in the tribal language. Although emotionally we could be impacted, I, I can tell you that's true because as my wife reminded uh, me and talking with Pastor Phil and Cindy last week that uh, I was very emotional watching the youth worship there in Sudan, even though they sang in a native tongue. I actually knew the tune, so that helped. I didn't know the language. But uh, it was very emotional. It was beautiful. But edification comes by known word. So although a brother or sister might speak God's truth when gathered in the body of Christ, if we speak in an unknown language, there can be no agreement, no edification for the church body. Paul has already told us back in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 through 7, that there are a diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of ministry, but the same Lord. There are diversity of activities, but the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. And that's the point I wanted to get to you by reading that portion of Scripture. It's to be for the profit of all. We're to come together that we might profit everyone, the body of Christ, to grow together. And so he says, whether five or 10,000 words, I thank God that I speak with tongues more than you. Also, Paul tells us that, yeah, I have the gift of tongues. I speak in tongues more than you all do. And yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with understanding than 10,000 words in a tongue. Paul informed the church there that he had the gift of tongues. But when gathered together as the body of Christ, he would rather speak five 
well-chosen words. He's already written five well-chosen words back in 1 Corinthians 2.2, where he said these five words, Jesus Christ and him crucified. Five well-chosen words. That is what the ministry of the church is to be about. Jesus Christ and him crucified. You can go through a journey in the Bible if you want to look out five groupings of words that stand out in Scripture. There's a lot of words in the Bible, so have fun. But to pick out a grouping of five, five well-chosen words. His chief aim, Paul's chief aim, was to help the people of God to grow in their faith. And he determined that when he spoke, he would do so in such a way that others could not only understand him, but that he could bring edification, exhortation, and comfort. Knowing how and when to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit is just as important as having the gifts. Today we've seen in this passage entitled Edification, Exhortation, and Comfort, 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 19, that we are to desire spiritual gifts and instruction from Paul and something that I would encourage you. It's really uh, spoke to me just reading those words again and questioning that point of desire. Remember, it's a Greek word that speaks about zeal, to be zealous toward. Do you have this great zeal or zealousness in desiring spiritual gifts? We are also to speak distinctly, whether by tongues or by prophecy, whether by speaking through knowledge or prophecy or teaching. We are to do so to help the body of Christ to excel. And then we are to pray, whether by the Spirit or with understanding. Remember that knowing how and when to use spiritual gifts is just as important as having those gifts. It's my hope that we are all born-again believers in Jesus Christ. But if not, if someone's listening on the radio or perhaps here in the sanctuary or maybe watching on Facebook, maybe now or watching it or listening to it later, around here at Calvary Chapel, we have a motto that says, Believe, Receive, Grow, and Go. And the belief comes from Hebrews eleven six that says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. And I believe one of the dangers that we see in our world today is that there is a number of people in our country today that no longer believe that there is a God. And that's the first step of salvation. You must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So you must believe that there is a God. Secondly, you have to receive Romans 5.17 tells us, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more than those who receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. You have to receive. You have to receive this gift of righteousness, the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Once you believe, once you receive, we need to grow. We need to grow in our faith, as Paul said, uh, Peter said, excuse me, in 2 Peter 3.18. It's easy to mix those two up. Peter said, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. We are to grow in our faith.
And I hope you are desiring to, to grow in our faith, your faith, to learn more of the Lord. But not just to grow, to have more information, to do really good when you get together with a church group and you do Bible trivia and it's like, oh, I can beat Pastor John finally. No, that's not your reason, your purpose behind it. You could probably beat me anyways. The purpose is that we might go. Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go therefore and make disciples in all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. And so, Father, as we prepare for one last song, prepare our hearts, Lord, to just be ministered to by your Spirit at this time. Help us to hear Maybe the word that's been spoken to us, Lord, something that's pricked our hearts. Lord, I pray that we just focus in on it now. Lord, minister to us now, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today.